just this week. Tom Brady said this. He said to do something great, to accomplish greatness, it usually comes in a one-shot moment. And an opportunity where you grab a hold of that opportunity, where you make the most of that moment, and he would know. I think that what I want to do is go into the scriptures and look at a moment where it's an opportunity. It's a one shot seemingly like, hey, what am I going to do in this moment? We're going to go back in, in a moment that was recorded in history for you and I to look at today in the year 2024 and really apply it to our own lives. We're going to be in Acts chapter 3. There's a man who's going to have this, this shot. Let me give you some context as to kind of where we are in history. Uh, some of you uh, may be very familiar with the book of Acts. Others may not know much at all about it. That's fine. Let me just tell you kind of where we are. Uh, Jesus has died on the cross. He has risen from the dead. He has ascended into heaven. And now what's happening is the early stages, the beginning of the early church. It's beginning, it's growing, kind of, and, and the message that Jesus left behind is now being advanced from the disciples, and, and more and more people are coming along to advance that, that message. And we pick it up in kind of this, this time now where Peter and John, two of the early disciples there, they, they are in this moment as they're going to encounter a man, and they're going to present an opportunity for that man that he can kind of choose what he's going to do with this moment. Here's what it says in Acts 3 and verse 1. I'm going to read 10 verses and then we're going to unpack it together. Peter and John, they went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate. This is a place uh, marked in history. You can go there today and stand in this area where all of this took place. So he was put there so he could beg from people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he did what he always does. He asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. And the lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the hand, a right hand, and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and he began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with with them, and all the people saw him walking and they heard him praising God. And when they realized he was the lame beggar that had so often been at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. A moment, an opportunity. I put in your notes, if you're taking notes, I got a few things from this scripture that I want to pull out and talk about here in our time together. And so if you want to write this down, your best shot at winning, your best shot begins, I put in your notes, with moments of choosing. In life, we're regularly finding ourselves in position to kind of say, okay, which road are we going down here? You know, am I going to go this way or am I going to go this way? Am I going to stay down the road that maybe I'm used to going or am I going to experience something different? Am I going to experience what may be with a different choice? We're presented with these moments in our life, big moments, smaller moments where we're at a crossroads in which direction are we going to go? The man in the scriptures, he's presented 
with an opportunity to do something different. He goes to this gate all the time, but, but now Peter and John are presenting something very, very different than what he's, he's used to. It would be sort of like for 10 years you've been going to work the same way. And you got to work and somebody said, which way do you go to work? And you told them which way you went to work. And they said, hey, did you know there's this little back road that you can take that'll save you five or 10 minutes? And all of a sudden you say the next day, I'm going to start doing it that way. And you take a completely different road to go to work because now it saves you a little bit of time. You've been doing it one way for a long time, but now all of a sudden you're in position to maybe do something a little bit different. Uh, maybe, maybe at one point in your in your, your academic career, you were studying kind of very lightly or very low level. When somebody presented to you an opportunity to, to study differently and to do academics differently, and you embraced that, and you took a different direction, and all of a sudden your outcomes were different. Maybe it's a, a, just a better way of living in life that was presented to you, and you had been doing it one way, but now you want to do it a different way. Perhaps in your finances, you know, you have been living a certain way financially for 10, 20 30 years, and somebody shared with you a different way to handle your finances so that you could have better outcomes, and all of a sudden, you took a different road and went a different direction and said, I'm going to live that out going forward in my life. Perhaps in your marriage, you had been going one way in marriage or in relationships, and, and that was just the way that you'd been doing it for so long, and then somebody presented something to you about a whole different opportunity, and you took that opportunity, and it presented to you a moment in time to live very differently with different Outcomes. This is a moment for a man laying by this thing called the beautiful gate. A moment for him to, maybe though he's been doing it one way, do it, do it differently. He's sitting outside the beautiful gate. What's on the other side of that gate is the entrance to the temple. It's the entrance to maybe something very different uh, in, this, in this moment in his life uh, where he would be seated. People would be singing and rejoicing as they got the opportunity to head inside to the temple. He's in front of something beautiful leading to something that was perceived as beautiful, but yet he's not there. Have you ever been just on the cusp of something amazing but not able to experience it? Have you ever had a moment in your life where you were just there on the edge of maybe something greatness? You were, you were encountering maybe something that was greatness, but you weren't in it. You weren't involved in it. You were seemingly stuck in this other bad thing or this lower place. It was there. It was just a moment. It was just a, an opportunity. This gate represents access. This gate represents an opportunity for this, for this man as the pastor of this church. I... Spend time on the weekends presenting opportunity. Hey, here's a, a different way of living, a different moment. There's a different choice you can make. And there are people here at our church, I watch it happen all the time. They say, oh, that's an opportunity. I want to walk through that. I want to experience life different. There are others that come to this environment and they hear it but they don't take the opportunity. They just continue to kind of go back into the way that they've been living. It's a moment. It's a crossroads situation. I can tell you this. I've watched it happen so many times here with people in our church who took a different way and made the most of that opportunity in my own life. I've had these moments presented to me in various areas of my life where I was doing it one way for a long time and then God opened up something, a gate, a moment, and said, if you will walk through this now, you'll encounter life very differently. And I've encountered it enough 
to know that if I get an opportunity and I'm outside the beautiful gate, uh, I don't care what's going on and I don't care what people say about me. They might say, you can't go through, you're too tall, you're too short, you're too big, you're too small. I know God is amazing enough, I'm going through the gate because I want to know what's on the other side because I've experienced God enough, I'm rolling through, I'm pushing through. I don't want to miss the moment. Is there anybody here that says, hey, you know what? I want something better. I want to walk through another choice in my life that leads to something different. You have to want it. You really do. You know, to cross over, you have to want it. it right? Like there's an old saying that you can be taught how to hunt. You can be taught how to cook. You can be taught how, you know, how it is to eat. But you got to be hungry. Are you hungry for something that would be different? Jesus said, for those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they will be filled. Are you hungry enough to say, God, I want to know at this crossroads moment what might be different enough to get up and do something different? Or are you going to stay in your prison and just keep redecorating yourself? Put up new decorations but stay confined? Or are you going to open up the door and walk through? Are you going to be one of those people who said, I almost did it. I was so close to something, but... I almost, but I didn't. I almost made the decision. I almost changed. I almost got things together. I'm right on the cusp. Meanwhile, you watched everybody else go through. You watched everybody else step through the moment. It's amazing how we can have two sets of people, one room, large gathering here together, and one group says, I want the opportunity, and another group says, I'm good just letting it pass by. Day in and day out, really. I put this in your notes. Your best shot at victory starts when you decide to stop settling. You got to decide to stop settling. We can find ourselves so caught up in our dysfunction and our comfortabilities that we just decide to stop settle, or we just decide to settle. You got to make a decision if you're going to embrace the most of the moment to stop settling and to decide to advance. How do you know when people have decided to settle? You can hear it in their words. Or you see this with people who maybe they grew up and all they knew was financial poverty. And it was all around them. And it's kind of all they knew. And it was every part of, of, of their life. And as they grew up and got older, they just stayed there and they would say things like, I guess this is the way it'll always be for me. I guess I could never have more. I guess I could never experience more. I guess I've just been meant to live this life of lower level financial living. You can hear it in their words. By the way, your words are a reflection of your heart. The Bible says as your words are flowing out, they're coming from your heart. Your heart tells the story by the words that you speak. I don't think I could ever advance. I don't think I could ever have something more. I'm settling. I'm settling. Your words tell a lot about your heart. You see this sometimes in relationships. Maybe, maybe there's a woman and she, she has uh, grown up all her life in seeing dysfunction in relationships, dysfunction in men. And as she gets a little bit older, she starts dating that kind of a man. 
and it's all she's known, and she dates another man, and she goes from one relation to the next, and she's with this messed up guy that treats her badly and always is, is nasty or abusive or whatever it may be, and she does that. She goes from one relationship to the next to the next, but it seems like it's the same guy, and she says words like, I guess I'll never you know, have a real guy, and all men are pigs, and so I guess I'll just have that kind of guy in my life, and I'm just going to settle for that. What can you tell about those words? She's settling. It's out of an out flow of her heart, she's speaking out of an outflow of her heart, right? Because if her heart had been transformed and she understood who she really was, she would actually be saying things like, I don't need to settle. I'm a daughter of the most high God. I deserve a man in my life that will treat me with love and dignity and respect. And so I'm not settling for that kind of nasty, trashy man in my life. But she settles. She settles. This is a man who's never walked. He's only known lame. The Bible says he was lame from the time he was coming out of his mother's womb. I mean, if you've ever walked once and you know what it tastes like, it probably drives you to hunger for it again. If you've never walked and you've never tasted walking, I don't know, maybe you just decide that I'm just going to settle. How quickly can we allow our nasty to be our normal? Keep doing it over and over again. Each day they just picked him up and they took him to the gate. And each day they said, let's just do it again. Have you ever been involved in something in your life where you just do it day in and day out so much you're so caught up in the routine you don't even know what day it is anymore? It's just the same day over and over again. Have you ever changed jobs only to find yourself still in the same place? Have you ever changed people in your life, people that you date, relationships, and still find yourself still in the same situation? Do you even care? Sometimes we get so low in our life, we just give up. We stop trying. We, we come to a place where we just, be, we just become so comfortable that this is just it. I'm talking about stop Stopping the settling, I put in your notes, in order to stop settling, we have to come to the understanding that close doesn't count. They say close only counts, and they say these things, close only counts, and this and that. Here's what I can tell you. When it comes to the opportunity, close doesn't count in the things that God is leading us through. This man is so close, right? He's right on the edge of the beautiful gate. He's right on the edge of the temple. It would be like, if you think about it today in the year 2024, we're in here worshiping, praising God. It's been a rough week for some of us, but we're here and we're getting strengthened and we're praising God when the music's on and then and the pastor's delivering the word and the word is going forth here out in this auditorium and it's all happening right in here, but you came to church and you sat in the parking lot. I mean, you were close, like you were right up against it, but you missed it. So that actually happens here. I don't know if you know that. We have people that will come to our church and sit in the hallway in the cafe and never come in. They get right up to it, right? They're close, but they don't encounter it. This actually happens at, at sporting events. Did you know there are people that go to stadiums, but they never go in? They go and they sit out in the parking lot and tailgate while the game is going on. They do that. My, my, um, my um, sister-in-law does this. She goes to games, but she doesn't go in the game. She sits out in the park. I can't do that. Like, I can't sit out in the parking lot and hear the noise, hear the cheers, hear that it's happening right over there, but I'm not going in. I'm, I'm going to sit over here. No way. I'm going in because clothes don't count. 
I want to be in it. This is such a routine for this man to be right up so close that maybe he just says, this is it. This is as good as it gets. I'll probably never make it past this point, so I'll settle for close. Are you comfortable where you are? Are you making excuses for why you'll never make it in your life? Meanwhile, others are advancing at a church our size. We have people that are advancing, and I get to watch it. You know, I mentioned that earlier. I see people walk through the gate, and they're advancing. And so this thought of advancing in various realms and parts of our life it's not a fairy tale thing. It's happening, uh, I can see it by large quantities of people here in our church all the time. I get to, to witness it. It's a, it's a very real thing. And you can come into this audience and sometimes you're sitting next to people that have walked through the gate, but check it out. It's not going to rub off on you by osmosis. You've got a hunger and thirst for it. You've got a want to not settle. Close doesn't count. I put this in your notes. When life is getting messy... We got to remember this. Sometimes we settle because messy people like to hang with messy. Have you noticed this? Messy people love to roll with messy. This man is in an outwardly physical situation. Now, I want to make sure you understand, like, as we're walking through this scripture together, though we see his physical condition, I'm highlighting spiritual things. I'm highlighting life things. And we're given this text, certainly to be able to look at the physical situation, but to also, in the year 2024, apply it in the spiritual realm to our own life. And we're doing that here today. This man would have been, it would have been very normal for him to go to this temple area and probably sit in places. We see this in over and over in the scriptures, sit in places where other people like him would be. And maybe sometimes that makes us feel better be, about our situation because you know, we're rolling maybe with, with very similar people. I put in my notes, lame likes to roll with lame. My friends start to advance. I don't like that. I want them to stay back here with me. Your friends uh, want to do something different with their life. No, stay here. Maybe you're advancing. You're trying to take a step with God, and your friends say, hey, what are you doing? Come back here. Because we, we seem to like to roll with that messiness together. I put in my notes, dysfunction loves community. Some people won't rest until they can hang out with messy people all the time. My mom used to say, She's over here to my left. Misery loves company. We seem to like that. Do other people's blessings bother you? Do you get jealous when people are successful? Are there some people in your life that get shocked and upset? Maybe if you experience happiness, you want to be around people who are advancing you. If you don't want to settle, I put this in your notes. Remember this, religion perpetuates the situation. It just keeps it going. This man who's at the temple gate, that entrance to the temple is the entrance really to the old religious ways. Jesus has come and revealed that, hey, you know what? The temple is there, but now with Jesus Christ in your life, you become a temple. You become housing for God. That's what you be. God takes residence up inside you. That is the new thing that 
Jesus is wanting humanity to understand. And so this old way of kind of the religious rules and the things that took place inside the temple, it's kind of the, the old routine. He's sitting outside the place of routine, and he's a part of routine. Here, here's what I want to say. How many people would just constantly walk by him over and over again, maybe throw him some coins, but never actually get involved in his situation. It happened all the time. That's what religion does. Hear me, religion just walks by. Religion says, here's a few coins, just stay in your routine. Religion, I'm just gonna kind of play church, right? I, I came to church this week. That, that, I, that's good, right? I, that's good enough. I, now I'll just kind of go back into the way that I'm living. That's kind of all that matters. I, I did something of routine. I came to church. I sat down and we, we left. And so that's what matters, right? My, my routine, uh, you know, like it, routine can be a pointer to our, what we're involved in in our religious activity. Religion says, says, you know what, I, I, don't change the way that we do church to reach people. I'm, you know, we, we got to do it the way we did it 40 years ago. And if we don't do it the way we did it 50 or 40 years ago, it doesn't qualify because we like our routine. That's religion. Religion says, don't sit in my seat at church. That's my seat. Religion loves routine. Religion says, you can't do church that way. Routine. Religion says, I'll throw coins at you, but I'm not going to get involved in what's really going on in your life. The religion passed by, and he never experienced change. We can do it. We can get caught up in routine very easily. Let's go to church. We got to church. We dressed up. We did our thing, whatever it is. We got there. We sat down. We had to get up again, and then we sat back down, and then we got up, and then we left. Maybe I had some chili. Oh, we did it. But religion doesn't expect anything big. Religion just does it over and over. Religion loses sight of greater expectation. Nah, I don't want to go through the gate. I don't want to go through the change. I don't want to go through something more. Let me just keep doing what I've always been doing. Peter and John arrive on the scene and they say, hey, hey, the thing that we've learned from Jesus is that it's not about religion and it's not about routine, it's about relationship. And when they arrive on the scene to talk to the man that's sitting there by the gate, they introduce something very radical to him, something that nobody's ever talked to him about before, that this God that we worship that can indwell inside of you can walk and journey with you every day of your life and help you grow in a relationship in this moment in time. They're arriving and they're saying, hey, this, this is something we want you to, to be aware of. I put in your notes, relationship is greater than religion and routine the heart of Jesus is relationship and it's the relationship that brings the change and so for you and I to decide that we want to stop settling we've got to advance past our religious routines and activities and decide we want to be involved in the things of God beyond just a moment or a routine until you decide to start worshiping seven days a week. In other words, putting God first in your life and all things until you decide to start radically praying, start talking to your family about Jesus every day, until you decide to start giving all of your life to God, until you decide to start coming here with expectations about what God's word will reveal for you and your life. I gotta tell you, until you do this, you're just playing, man. 
You're playing. Let's go to church and go home. That's playing. That's playing religion. Are you in such a religious hole that you can't see or do or encounter anything great of God? Over the years, you know, different times, and I think probably a couple times over the last six months, I've referenced the woman at the well. She went there every day, and she did her routine. And she had quite a routine at the well, and she had quite a routine with men. And Jesus shows up in that moment and interrupts her situation, interrupts her routine. And when he interrupts her, he sits there by her side. He said, hey, say, hey I, I'm here to talk to you about relationship. I, I want to bust past your routine. I know what you've been doing every day. I know about the, the, the five men you were already married to. But I, I want to tell you about something else. She's getting water out of the well. You know the story. And he says, I want to I give you a water that will actually quench the thirst of your soul. It's through the relationship with your heavenly father that I came to reveal to you. That's what's happening once again here in the scripture we looked at today in Acts 3. John and Peter arrive and say, let's, let's break up the routine. Silver and gold, we have none. But I've come to share with you what really matters, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I think the problem for you and I as we think about this is, I mean, it's is silver and gold, it's, it's, not really, it's not really sexy when you think about relationship versus silver and gold. Silver and gold is the bling. It is sexy, right? It's the sexy thing to throw. It's the sexy thing to be attracted to. It's kind of the uh, uh, thing that maybe our eyes, catches our eyes, our attention. That's the, the sexy thing. Relationship is not really the sexy thing, right? And so maybe if you're the man sitting there by the gate and you see, uh, you have this encounter with John and Peter and you're looking for the coins and the bling and the shiny and sexy thing and they say, we don't have any of that to give you but we want to give you relationship. You're going, what? What is that? Just give me the coins, we settle for that in our lives. We're on these massive journeys to acquire more and more bling, more and more pleasures, more and more stuff. And we miss out on the greatest thing we could ever encounter in our life, that relationship with God. Hey, hey, you're looking for silver. You're looking for silver and gold. You're looking for coins. We have none, but I want you to know about the thing that really matters most in life, that relationship with, with, with God. And then you see that in the scriptures, they kind of reach down and they pick him up by the hand. And I love the portrait of that. I put this in your notes. Your best shot is enhanced in your life when you take God's hand through people who can pull you up. At some point, you can see in the scriptures, his legs must get cranked up. Things start to move a little bit in the right direction for him. And, but then, they don't just leave that moment. They, they reach the hand down and, and help him get up. It's, it's a portrait of understanding that if I want to get away from lame, if I want to get away from messiness and chaos in my life, I've got to at some point have people in my life that want to help lift me up and guide me towards that gate, towards the things of God. I, it's a part of really the understanding of what Jesus came for. You know, uh, Jesus was challenged. He was told, you know, or they challenged him. They said, what are the two or what are the greatest commandments of all, of all the law and all the things that, you know, the Jews have to follow? Like, what matters most? And he said, I'll tell you what matters most. He said, it, it's, it's about God and it's about others. 
He said, if you can understand those two things in life, like you are figuring out the keys to life, my relationship with God and how to love and encounter others well. And a part of that love and encountering others well is a part of, A, of course, helping others know who God is so that God's kingdom here on earth can grow and the kingdom of heaven can grow, but also making sure God's people are around us. Helping us advance, helping us move forward. And so Jesus wants us to understand that being surrounded by the right people, it, it matters. God's people around you, they can challenge you. When you have God's people around you who are on a journey following God, they can say, you're in routine. You need to get out of your routine. You're, you're, you're too comfortable. God's people around you can say, you're getting caught up in religion right now in your life and you seem a little bit static and you're, you're just doing some things over and over. What about something new? Hey, why don't you put down the coins and the cup and do something different? These people in your life can help you break out and take you to the next. When I first became a believer in Christ, uh, I, I talked to you, uh, I think a week or two ago about how I went from one step to the next, to the next on my journey to kind of be where I am uh, as a pastor now today. But on that journey, I had a guy, my pastor, his name was John. And he, he would constantly, you know, reach for my hand and say, let's go to the next and let's keep moving. There's more that God has for you. There, don't be stagnant. Don't stay where you are. Let's keep moving on to the next challenge, the next opportunity. So crazy to think about what all may be ahead of us that we could walk through that maybe we're missing because we're not willing to get out of our comforts and routines because we don't have maybe the right people around us on the journey. This man, I mentioned before, he had never walked in his life before and then all of a sudden we see he's not just getting up but he starts to walk and he's leaping and running and praising. That's really incredible because, I mean, if you had never walked before in your life and now you were an adult and all of a sudden you were healed, there'd probably be a significant amount of years of therapy to teach you to walk. That your brain connecting to your legs and your feet and moving for the, maybe the first time in, in, in your life and, and it's going to take a little bit of work for that to become a reality and yet in this moment, we see this man, he's just up and he's just moving and he's leaping. And, and folks, here's what this is. This is a portrait of how when God gets involved, things get expedited. Amen. Things can move a little bit quicker uh, on, that, on that journey, right? Even if you were a baby, you were, you were learning to walk as a, as a baby. You start that journey, you know, over a couple of years, it all begins to develop and you're crawling and then you're crawling fast and then you're... And then you're starting to get up onto your feet and you're starting, you're starting to wobble a little bit and then you're starting to walk. And then the next thing you know, the child's taking off and running. And that takes time. In this moment, though, when God gets involved, we see something very radical happen. This man is moving and moving ahead and moving forward. You don't get that in religion. You get that in relationship. Have you ever allowed yourself to be in a position to say, God, I'm ready to radically move for you. God, I'm ready to take some bigger and bigger steps in my life. You have enough people around you that you can put your hand out and they can put their hand out and help lift you up and pull you along the way and lead you into something even better in 
your life. Here's the last thing I put in your notes. When you're winning with God, you become unrecognizable. And I saw that in the scripture. You saw that there at the end, right? He's running around and he's leaping and he's praising God. And the people are going, is that the same guy? Is that, the, is that really the one we saw at the gate all the time? Because now it seems very different. Who is that guy? He's making noise. He's unrecognizable. Can I tell you that the more and more you journey with God, the more and more you will become unrecognizable compared to the way you used to live. And, and this becomes a challenge, right? Because remember before I said, you know, sometimes our friends don't, don't like that, you know? They don't like the fact that you're exiting and going into kind of a new way of living. And they, they'll try, you know, the wrong ones will try to, they'll reach out a hand, but it'll be to try to pull you back because they love to be recognized, they love to stay exactly where they are, so everybody will continue to see them for exactly kind of where they are. They don't like unrecognizable because that represents change. Maybe for those of you who have been a believer for a while now, would your old friends from the old way of life, would they say that you're unrecognizable now in the way that you're living your life? Or would they look at you and say, no, we still recognize him. He's the same person. She's the same person. If they can't say that you're unrecognizable, can I ask you why? What gates have you missed walking through to encounter more of God so that you could actually become unrecognizable in your life? Uh, you will experience doubt and change and struggle along the way with people along the way as you begin to advance on your spiritual journey. You will go through those struggles. It happens to all Christians. The Bible tells us it will happen at times. There will be struggles. But when those moments come and they wonder who you are and they wonder why it is you've changed, let them doubt, let them question, let them wonder. But stay on that journey of desiring to be continually unrecognizable. Jesus, while he was on earth, uh, he had these occasions where he became unrecognizable. He transformed into different ways. And, and people would say, is that, is that the same Jesus? Is that him because he looks different than we saw him before? What is happening in that moment? Jesus is revealing a lot of things through that. But one of the things he's revealing is that uh, what God wants for us is to go through these transformations. We talked about it in the first week of the last series. He wants us to go through these changes, these transformations where we become something different continually on our spiritual growth. You ought to be in a position of your growth where people say, who is that? Where did he come from? What happened to her? She's, she's different. Wasn't that the lame beggar wasn't that the person that we were passing over and over and now they're moving and jumping and praising the things of God let me say to you today some of you need to walk through the gate and you need to throw down the cup and the coins and take the hand starting with the hand of God and maybe as the weeks go on the hands of others and walk through something new in your life hear me silver and gold I have none but what I want to offer you is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That man had, as the scriptures said, something that seemed to be wrong with his ankles and his feet. It's identified in the text. We get that in the text and the physical, but we get that as a reminder to you and I to identify right now, what is lame in my life? What is the thing that's holding you back? 
What is the secret place that you keep going back to in your life over and over again instead of advancing? What is the lame area of your life that God wants to work in so that you can move forward? It started in the healing of his legs and then it took over his whole body. My prayer is that for some of you, you'll decide to walk through that gate and put down the routine. Those of you who know Jesus Christ, you start stepping into that change that he wants to bring in every realm and every area of your life. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray together right now. Maybe you're here today and you've been stuck in a place and you thought it was for a couple of days. And then days turned into weeks. Weeks turned into months. You thought it was a season. A season turned into a year and multiple years. And now you find yourself kind of stuck in the same place. Uh, could you just take a moment and take, what, what is lame? What is the weak? What is the, the part of your life that's holding you back from advancing? Would you take the hand of God and say, I'm getting up. I'm stepping up. I'm throwing down the cup. I'm throwing down the routine. I'm throwing down the coins. God, I want to walk through something new with you. You were forgiven of your sin when you became a believer, and that's amazing. But there are so many opportunities and changes and crossroads and moments to live very different while you're still drawing air in your lungs. And so you say, God, keep revealing to me more in what's next for me in my life. I don't want to go the same way. I don't want to be stuck. I pray God's revealing to you something new for your future, for your life. You're here today, you're not a believer. We got a large audience here and every weekend at our church, we have four services and at every one of our services, whether it's large or small, there's always somebody here that's not a believer. And if that's you here today as we're praying, welcome to New Walk. We're, we're glad that you're here and we have, you're among friends. But maybe God is revealing to you that you're stuck. Oh, you chase silver and gold. You, you, you've you become maybe good at that. and You like the pleasures of this world and popularity or social status or whatever it may be. And you think you found the best life possible. Can I just tell you today, if that's the story of your life, you live such a small world. I don't mean to be mean with that, but it's very average. I'll be honest, it's probably low level. Because Jesus Christ said, I have come to give you life and I have come to give you life to the fullest. And until you decide to take the hand of your heavenly father through the gift of Jesus Christ, you are still living just kind of this average way of living. God says, I want to show you life and show it to you in the fullest. Silver and gold, it's not what it's about. There's something greater. Would you grab a hold of his hand today and say, I'm ready to rise up and have a relationship with you, God. And the Bible says there is only one way to enter into a relationship with God, and that is through your sin being forgiven because God cannot look upon sin. So your sin must be forgiven. And God said, I'm gonna make a way that everybody's sin could be forgiven. It's gonna be through the gift of my son, Jesus Christ. He's gonna go to the cross. He's gonna experience, there's gonna be a sacrifice. Blood's going to be shed. But that's gonna be the final offering of pure blood sacrifice for all of humanity and for all who accept that gift for the forgiveness of their sin. They can have a relationship with God. Maybe you need to do that today. You've never done it. You're ready to say, God, I'm ready to take your hand up. I want to be in relationship with you. Forgive me of my sin. I accept that gift of Jesus Christ today. I'm ready to walk through that gate with you. God, I'm ready to start this journey from this day forward. I receive it in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.